Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the just kidding about that House session edition. This week, we're breaking down why the Supreme Court says stealing a leaf blower isn't burglary, what the back and forth over an August election says about Ohio's GOP, why dropping an air tag in someone's car might soon become a crime, and how our election integrity division has been spending its time. Joining me in studio on this lovely afternoon is the lovely Laura Bischoff. Thank you for having me. Okay, our first topic deals with a leaf blower. Yep. So back in September of 2020, this guy named Timothy Huff is out in his yard doing some work. He's got his garage opened and a $500 leaf blower is inside that garage. Well, this smiling guy comes strolling up his driveway and takes the blower. Like, I'm not kidding. Huff testified in court that the guy just walked up and took it with a smile on his face. The guy, whose name is Donald Bertram, gets sentenced to at least eight years in prison for the burglary, but... The Ohio Supreme Court unanimously overturns that conviction. So, Laura, you wrote about this decision. What's going on? I think it had a lot to do with the smile. Um, And and the (laughs) fact that he did it in broad daylight right in front of um, the homeowner, Mr. Huff. The court determined that Bertram did not use deception, force, or stealth, which are elements to be proven in a burglary charge. And so they knocked knocked the burglary conviction away and um, directed the Scioto County Common Pleas Court to sentence him on criminal trespassing, which is a minor misdemeanor and usually... You know, it's up to a year in jail. It's interesting, though, because this, I work in my front yard with my garage door Yeah, up we do, and, too. Yeah, and somebody, I guess, could come in and grab a bicycle and pedal on off. What was interesting in this guy, Bertram, the homeowner, Huff, told Bertram, the thief, hey, put that down. Well, once he figured out what was going on, he's like, hey, stop. Yeah, don't take my leaf blower. Stop, put that down. And he just put it right in his back seat and he... <laughs> He tried starting it's his funny, car. But it's not funny. He start, He tried starting his car, but he had trouble getting it started. So that allowed Huff, the homeowner, enough time to um, snap some close-up pictures, and that's I think what got him. It's so crazy, and I get that idea. Like he he didn't he did technically like go into the man's property, but he didn't like break into the house. I guess it's like a weird distinction, but that's probably why it made it all the way up to the state supreme court. Yeah, it's one of these quirky ones, and and it is interesting that it was a unanimous decision. Um, it's a divided court, so when you get the unanimous ones, it's pretty straightforward. Our second topic is the ongoing will they won't they saga unfolding in the Ohio House. So for those of you who haven't been following along at home, Republicans want to make it harder to amend Ohio's state constitution, shifting the benchmark for voter approved changes from a simple majority of 50% plus one to 60%. And they want to do it in August, three months before we all might vote on an amendment to protect access to abortion. The GOP has super majorities in both chambers. They've got the governor's office, so passing this should be easy, right? Wrong. You see, not every Republican agrees with the idea of an August special election. Some of them flat out oppose it since the legislature eliminated them just last year. Yeah, this is really kind of a function of um, the factions within the Ohio House. The the Republicans have a supermajority, but there's a there's a division within that supermajority in which uh, there's backers of um, Speaker Jason Stevens and then the counter group, which backed um, Derek Maron for speaker. And- Who was originally going to be speaker. Right. But based then, on a caucus vote, but then which Jason, is unofficial, yeah. Right. But then Jason Stevens managed to get support from the Democrats. And of course, the Democrats opposed this August election proposal. And um, so Stevens has so far said he, he doesn't plan on putting it up for a vote. However, there is a House session scheduled for 
May 10th, which happens to be the deadline that Frank LaRose, Secretary of State, said is the time for, you know, to get it on the August ballot. Put it on. Yeah. Because there's this time you actually have to like, you know, print all these uh, ballots and get all the election offices ready. They're not planning on holding an August election since we eliminated an August election. But we thought we might have a vote this week. You know, on Wednesday, there was supposed to be a House session that got canceled. There is some question about whether Stevens is just going to cancel next week rather than bringing this up. Yeah, this past week, um, there was supposed to be this committee hearing and... um, That got canceled too. It did. And it got canceled after about 700 um, people from organized by... like the League of Women Voters of Ohio and and other groups who are opposed to this showed up at the Statehouse lawn and, you know, voiced voiced their opinion. Correct. Yeah. um, They also had this weird amendment that might have been going on. So, like, there was an initial idea to to give about $20 million to help local county boards of election conduct this because our elections are actually done at the county level by local boards of election and it comes out of their money. It's a whole thing. And they were going to give them like 20 million bucks and the amendment was going to take that money away. I don't know if that's because like, I can't figure that out. There are some local boards of election that have voiced opposition to having a special election in August, but I really don't know what was up with that amendment or potential amendment. Right. And, you know, as you as you alluded, almost all of this has to do with the abortion um, issue that they're collecting signatures in the field right now for. And that's going to they're shooting to be on the November ballot. Right. So if it passed, if this constitutional change passed in August, then the abortion amendment would have to clear by 60 instead of 50. So it would make it substantially harder, perhaps impossible to pass an abortion amendment in Ohio. Right. And I do expect that there's going to be a just a an avalanche of money that's spent on that amendment. Yeah, Mike Anadakis, the head of Ohio Right to Life, actually sent a petition around to all the Republicans in the Ohio House asking them to pledge to support the 60% amendment in the August election. You know, it's interesting is the argument is that the 60% threshold is needed to protect the Constitution from special interests. Right. Um, Most of the constitutional amendments, though, are proposed by the legislators, Mm. not citizens. Our third topic is Apple AirTags and other Bluetooth tracking devices. It's not a crime in Ohio to hide one in someone's car without their knowledge, but a state lawmaker wants to change that. Representative Tom Patton says this kind of technology is great for finding your lost luggage, but, quote, using these devices in a criminal fashion should be a criminal act. Yeah, this is interesting. You know, it, the topic came up a little bit in the householder trial because um, Matt Borges was was uh, considering putting on tags on, on the cars of... Um, Petition circulators. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it also came up for Tom Patton because there's been some pretty tragic stories in the news. So Heidi Moon was a 43-year-old mom from Akron, and she was shot and killed by her ex-boyfriend in January 2022, hours after a private investigator found an air tag in the pocket behind her car's passenger seat. So he, she had gone to a hotel. She was like trying to like both leave him and hide from him, but he knew where she was because he had that air tag in her car. I could see it being used for good, though, in terms of um, you know putting a tag on the car of an elderly parent if you're concerned in that manner. So there are caveats to the law. Police could continue for criminal investigations, obviously. Like. It will be legal for them to track you if they're following you for any investigatory reasons. Minor parents could do this to their children and guardians of disabled adults and like caretakers of those perhaps with, you know, if you have Alzheimer's and you really want to make sure you know where your mother is, this would be an acceptable use. Yeah, although if somebody has advanced dementia, it's they probably, probably be driving. Probably time to give up the license. Yeah, um, it also applies to tracking apps that are put on your phone, so you can't. So you could install something on somebody's phone as well. One of actually one of the interesting debates is whether there will be an exemption for bail bondsmen. 
Hmm. That's an interesting one, right? Or private investigators. There is no carve out right now. There are no exemptions for bail bondsmen or private investigators. But it sounds like we may get one for bail bondsmen since they are kind of doing the work of the court-ish. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's sort of like an electronic bracelet unbeknownst to the wearer. Yeah. And also just like, I think this is definitely one of those situations where the law hasn't caught up to the technology. What have the other state, what have other states done in this regard? So 19 other states have already passed. Michigan does have an exemption for like bail bondsmen and stuff. So it's kind of like figuring out what those, what that list of exemptions should be, like what is reasonable. And I think that's just kind of what they're niggling over right now. Our fourth and final topic is Ohio's relatively new Election Integrity Division. Secretary of State Frank LaRose created this division last year to manage investigations over voting laws, campaign finance, and the thing he emphasized most, election integrity, saying he wanted to tackle a, quote, crisis of confidence in elections, despite few instances of voter fraud. So reporter Haley B. Miller dug into how that team operates and what they do. So for starters, the team consists of a director named Brian Katz, a chief investigator, and then two other investigators who dig into complaints. And most of those complaints that they have received are about potential voter fraud. But it should be noted that the Secretary of State announced in October that he had referred 75 people to prosecutors for allegedly voting twice since the 2020 election, which there are 11 million people, more than half of them voted in 2020. This is a very, 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 very small percentage. And I do want to make that clear. How many of the 75 were actually convicted? I don't know yet because that was since October. So I'm assuming some of those cases are still being disputed or in the legal process. But yeah, I mean, and voting twice could be as simple as like you have a college student who perhaps, you know, voted at home and voted at college and didn't really remember or process it or like it's not always like some nefarious plan. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But voting more than once is Is not not allowed. No. And sometimes it happens to out-of-state kids too, like, right, who may have voted back home in Michigan, but also vote here in Ohio. And you can't do that either. You just can't vote more than once. You can't vote in two different states. But it's not always because they're trying to stack the election. Although I did have a case in Colorado where a chairman of a local party filled out their ex-spouse's ballot and turned it in and got caught. (laughs) Which is like... Some next level divorce drama. Oh, yeah. That is definitely a level of petty. And one more thing before you go. Some of y'all had an election this week. A number of school levies, library levies, fire levies passed and failed around the state. So, for example, Madison Plains Local School District in the central Ohio area, their bond issue failed, but Walnut Township's income tax renewal passed. But more importantly, it was also the first Ohio election where the state's new voter laws were in effect. This includes that one requiring you show a valid state ID before you can cast a ballot. For the most part, you know, from what I reported, looked into, it seems like it went pretty well. There was a Stark County woman who was 100 years old and had to cast a provisional ballot because she didn't have a photo ID. But there weren't like a lot of stories like that. But turnout was also like 25%. So we may not have a clear gauge on how well this is going to work yet. Did the 100-year-old voter just fail to hustle on down to the BMV and get a state ID or a (laughs) license or what happened? It says that she's going to be working to get one of those free state IDs. Now, she may just have never had a driver's license or may just have let it expire. Like, I don't know, you know. If I'm 100, please make sure I'm not still driving. But several groups are suing Secretary of State Frank LaRose over this law, arguing that it will disenfranchise voters, particularly the elderly. And so we're going to have to kind of stay tuned to see whether these new rules will be in place for 2023 and 2024. I see an opening for a program in which they could deliver state IDs to centers where older voters may congregate. 
That would be interesting. Yeah. It's an idea. Oh, also one more thing before you go. The libraries continue to crush it when it comes to local levies. Six of seven passed on an average vote of 72%. And the one that failed up in Napoleon, it was a squeaker. Well, you know, I got my youngest daughter her very first library card over the weekend. And I got to say, we're a big fan. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Zanesville Times Reporter. That's Z-A-N-E, Bill Times, Reporter.com.